0: Good morning. Okay, so have you guys seen the new show, The Story of Us? It's one of my new favorite shows. If you haven't, please check it out. I just really like the storytelling and the writing. That always gives me good writing, good characters. And they just look into some different households, some different families, and it kind of digs in to each of their stories. And so that inspired me this morning. So I'm going to start off with a couple of stories. Julian met Irene, and I think he was dating somebody else at the time, actually, but his attention swung Irene's way, and they set the course for a branch of my family tree. These are my grandparents. They had traditional roles when they got married. He worked, and she stayed at home. In fact, I was just reminded that she never drove, never had her license. Like, I can't fathom that. And he paid the bills, and she did every bit of housework. And... Each meal would have Kentucky Southern meal. We're talking all the courses, the sides, the bread, the meat, the dessert. I mean, every night, not just for, like, special Thanksgiving. He was quiet, and she was the talker. Well, as a child, I spent a week with him every summer, and I noticed two things that they would do every night. Number one, after dinner, you sit down and you watch Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. And then... Half an hour before bed, they would turn off the TV and everything else. There was a lamp on, and you'd hear the tick, tick of the clock on the mantel. And they sat quietly, he in his recliner, she on the end of the couch. And they had their Bible open before them, and they read. Now, as a kid, I was like, oh, I have to be quiet for 30 minutes or else read myself. But when I look back on that, I appreciate that tradition. That role model they set for me. Though she was feisty in spirit, all my grandfather had to do was look at her and say, Mama, and he knew she knew what he meant. They celebrated over 50 years of marriage. And in her last two years, she was in a nursing home. But he drove across town and he sat by her. I'm sure he took a nap while she talked. But they were together every day until she parted. They had two kids, a boy and a girl. And that boy became my dad now my mom and dad who i didn't realize were going to be here today when i came up with this illustration but here they are now their marriage looked different than my grandparents marriage Um, my mom worked she stayed home when i was a kid and then she went back to work when i was a little older and then my brother was born and she stayed home and then went back to work but you know what i saw them work together whereas my grandmother did all the cleaning and my dad did all the work they each worked and they each took care of the house together and I have that visual of a teamwork. And they both served in church together as youth leaders or other organizational things. And I just saw that their support and their love for one another, and it was a team effort. And they've been married for over 43 years. Now, I know not everyone has a story like mine. I think of marriage as a positive thing because I had positive role models. But I know that maybe for you, you've, you didn't see that growing up. And so, Today, our text from Ephesians talks about marriage, but it applies to all of us, whether we've had good role models or whether we came from a broken home, whether we're single or married, because this shows us an ideal, and we're also going to see that this is a metaphor for how Christ relates to every single one of us. Now, we've been talking through the book of Ephesians, and we've called it Mosaic, because the people in Ephesus were this diverse group of people coming together to be a church And you know how hard that is to have different people coming together as one. So this whole book is written on, here's how to live out your faith together in this community. We're going to look at Ephesians 5 today, 21 through 33. And if you want to flip there in the Pew Bibles or on your phone app, as you're doing that, I want to give you a little overview of the purpose of this section. This begins what some commentators call the household codes. So if we're talking about Christian living throughout the book of Ephesus, now we're getting down to, okay, what does your home look like? This talks about marriage. The next section talks about parenting. And then even servants slash slaves, which I guess was a thing. So the point in each of these sections is that the people of Ephesus were being given instructions on how do you look at the culture around you and live better because of Christ. So Paul is trying to tell the people of Ephesus, Here's how to elevate your home life because you are a Christian. Now, part of the thing we'll we'll see that's different from the culture and different from the past is how, um, in marriage and in general, women and men were, were treated. Women throughout history had been viewed as lesser. We have some outliers, some leaders like Deborah in the book of Judges or the famous Cleopatra, but they were rare. But we see a course of redemption through the Bible, we see that women began to serve more in the kingdom and have more of an influence. In fact, when we get to Jesus, we see he treated females with great honor and respect. The woman caught in adultery he treated with dignity. The woman at the well, who was a Samaritan with faith questions, and he answered her. But, I don't know if you know about this, there were regular women who supported his ministry and were part of his troop. Luke 8 After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women, who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. So Paul is writing in a different era. We have women who are supporting them out of their own means. And marriage used to be a thing because you have to have financial stability. Women couldn't, couldn't have their own means before. So things are changing. And so we're, this section of scripture is looking at, okay, we're in this new new era. How do women and men, are they supposed to relate to one another? <clears throat> It's a point of marriage, not financial stability anymore for women. And for men, it's not just to have your lineage or to someone to take care of you. So how do you treat one another? There's a few segments of this passage that make this different, make marriage different than the other culture of the day. We're going to look at the motivation of wives. Let's see if I can get this. I thought we were clicking. Okay, four distinctions. The motivation of wives, the sacrificial love of husbands, the metaphor and the submission of everyone to one another so let's break this down and Molly's going to read for us today and we have we're going to start with verses 22 to 24 please
1: wives submit to your husbands as to the lord for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church his body of which he is the savior Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything.
0: Okay, I'm going to start off with this section because I think it's the biggie. I don't know if you ladies have heard this before, but in my experience, this has been a text people use incorrectly as just making women feel lesser. Anybody? I call it, it's the you throw like a girl section of scripture. You know what I mean? Like throwing like a girl as an insult? Yeah, I throw like a girl, and I'm about to beam you between the eyes, so you better watch out. This is why they got the girl to preach this one. Okay, so instead of looking at what this text isn't, let's look at what it is. First of all, this entire text is about wives and husbands, not all women and all men. That has been falsely changed before. So all the single ladies, all the single ladies, you're off the hook just kidding. Single men, single ladies, nope, we're all in this. We're going to get to it in just a minute. But but please note that this is about the marital covenant relationship. Okay, so basically this is saying wives support your husband. That idea is not scandalous, but there has been an interpretation of the scripture that has been abused by people to use to denigrate women. But you know what? We have women here at Echo, and I see some amazingly supportive Dare I say, submissive wives. You guys submit to your husbands because you want him to be better. You want him to live up to what God is doing in his life. And I've seen that in action. So the big deal here is what's the motivation? Wives were probably being asked to submit to their husbands throughout history. But it was basically saying, you're a second-class citizen. That's why you submit. Paul is saying, there's something different. I want you to care and support your husband because of jesus they're not saying men are better in fact maybe it's to protect men's vulnerability because although i hear stereotypically women show their feelings more i do feel like even men with the most tough exteriors we all want to feel love and nurture right that's why people get married you want somebody required to love you and believe in you and support you so women wives wives we are being asked to be our husband's number one fan most vocal supporter i'm sorry every time i hear supporter i think of Greece. if you cannot be an athlete be an athletic supporter okay i'll leave that joke there okay um wives we're being asked to be in this supportive role out of a higher motivation because of our christ relationship we're asked to love our husbands as we love christ and you know that's something we can think about with every person we meet because you know what some days i get annoyed by people Even Christians, I want to punch them in the face sometimes. But I always love Jesus, right? I mean, he's cool. So if we can think about loving other people in this instance, wives, loving, honoring, respecting husbands as we do Christ, that's the higher calling. All right, let's check out what husbands get to do. Verses 25 through 29, please.
1: No one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. Okay,
0: so here again, Paul is elevating the standards of marriage. Because in the past, women may have been treated as a possession or as an object or second class. And here, husbands are being called to say, hey, your wife doesn't just exist in servitude of you. So what are they supposed to do? There's two sections here and I wanna look at the second one first, when it was saying, love your wife as you love your own self, right? Love her like you love you. Well, that's kind of a tall order because I know all of us we're we think about ourselves all the time, right? We're we are ourselves, I think about my needs and what I want all the time. But it's just saying, you care for yourself all the time, husbands, you feed yourself your favorite foods. And in this crowd, you give yourself your favorite beer, right? you strive to make yourself look good physically or or your reputation you want to use your free time to do what you want to do so it's saying hey here husbands try to live that way toward your wife think about what she wants to eat or think about how to make her look good in front of other people now secondly it's saying at the beginning of that section actually love your wives as christ loved the church save that one for a second because that's a tall tall order I mean, wives were asked to submit, but husbands are asked to sacrifice like Christ. That's a perfect example. They're never going to fully live up to, as none of us will. But think about just how far Christ went to sacrifice for us. And that's what husbands are called to do. But we have married men here in Echo that I see living this out. I see some amazingly loving husbands who sacrifice things for their wives' well-being. And I want to commend them for that. Let's look down at verse 33, because it has a short little summary of these two challenges.
1: However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband.
0: Okay, that's a nice, short, and sweet way of just calling everybody out again. Spouses, get your together. Husband is supposed to be loving. If you love your wife like yourself then guess what? She's going to want to submit and support. If the wife is respecting her husband, he's going to want to sacrifice anything for her. All right. Now the script is going to get flipped. Let's go. Verses 30
1: to 32. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church.
0: Okay, now we have this mystery here. I feel like it's all M. Night Shyamalan. He was dead the whole time. There's a twist. So here we were talking about figurative marriage. So it was literal marriage before, and now we're figurative marriage. And side note, please, for the love of God, use literally correctly, because the times that I hear it incorrectly makes me want to literally yank my hair out. And I'm trying to raise my daughter with grammatical soundness, so please use literally in front of her correctly.